Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Thursday, August the 10th, 2023. It is currently 1027 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Law and gospel. We have been talking about law and gospel a lot. We started this series in, what, October of 2022. We've done probably over 100 hours now of teaching on law and gospel. The subject has come up in our study in Jeremiah. It shows up constantly. And why it shows up constantly is that the Bible is made up of two very distinct doctrines, and that is the doctrine of law and gospel. And you must keep them distinct. You must maintain the proper distinction between law and gospel, because if you merge them, well, disaster ensues, spiritual and theological disaster ensues. I will say hermeneutical disaster ensues. You're going to misinterpret the Bible. In fact, if you do not understand the proper distinction between law and gospel, You can't truly understand the Bible. The Bible remains a closed book to you. So this is an extremely important series. I keep trying to tell people that. I keep repeating that. But this, I'm just, I mean, I, I, I know this sounds like hyperbole. I know this sounds like hype. I know this sounds like marketing. But I mean this. This is the most important series I have ever done. It's the most important series I will ever do. Look, if, if I, if my, if everything comes to an end tomorrow, if I helped anyone understand the proper distinction between law and gospel, you can add up all of my failures and they are failures and there's no excuse for those failures. I take full responsibility for those failures. No one else's fault but mine. It's all me. Those failures are horrible. But if I if I can say when it's all said and done, I help people understand the proper distinction between law and gospel, then yes, they will not make up for all of my failures, but at least I will know I succeeded in doing something, right? Whether all, all the different things we could talk about, if, if I could just, there's just a, a, a few, if, if there's just one person, uh, literally, who says, you help me understand law and gospel, then you know what? That's it. I, that, I've, I've accomplished something of great value. And I, I, I guess then I, I can, I, I, mean, I can't say I won't die I can't say I'm going to die with no regrets, but at least I will be happy to know I did help someone understand the proper distinction between law and gospel. I just cannot explain to you how important this subject is. So we are currently doing kind of a law and gospel redo. We're kind of reminding, refreshing our minds, trying to make sure we truly understand some of the principles we've already covered. We're using the book, God's No and God's Yes by C.F.W. Walther. In this book, he has 25 theses 
on the proper distinction between law and gospel. We made it to like theses number 11 or number 12. Now we're kind of going back and overlook, we're re-looking at the ones we've already looked at to reinforce them, to really get them in your mind, to try to make sure we're all on the same page before we move forward again. And we are currently on thesis number four, which reads, this is thesis number four from the book, God's Knowing God's Yes by C.F.W. Walther, The Proper Distinction Between Law and Gospel. Thesis number four is, The true knowledge of the distinction between the law and the gospel is not only a glorious light, affording the correct understanding of the entire Holy Scriptures, but without this knowledge, Scripture is and will remain a sealed book. The Bible is a sealed book unto you. And the key that unlocks the Bible is the proper distinction between law and gospel. If you don't have that proper distinction of law and gospel, you don't have the key to unlock the Bible. That's what C.F.W. Walther puts forth as his hypothesis, as his thesis. I agree with him. I think it's true. If you go back and listen to the sermon review we did on the sermon by J.D. Greer, that is a perfect example of someone who does not understand the proper distinction between law and gospel, and look at how that sermon went. He turned the gospel into nothing more than law. It was horrifying, but it served as a perfect example of why we're doing this series. Now, remember, we're also using the radio program Issues ETC. That also serves as a podcast, so you should subscribe to the Issues ETC podcast wherever you get your podcast. It does come from a Lutheran theological perspective, which I don't agree with them on infant baptism, but the radio program is wonderful. I love it, and you should listen to it. And they are doing their own series on the proper distinction between law and gospel. So we're kind of utilizing segments from their episodes to kind of get us back on track in our series. Um, And just remember, it is a radio program, meaning their segments come between the commercial breaks. They're relatively small. We're taking these, these segments and utilizing them for us, for our discussion, analysis, critique, review. And we're hopefully, I'm hoping it's all benefiting someone, but sometimes it becomes kind of, uh, here we go. Because right now what we have in front of us, we're, we've reached the end of an episode that they did, meaning that they have that last segment that they have to do, which is less than like eight minutes. It's like a maybe seven minute, eight minute segment. So that makes, <laughs> that means this is going to be a short, short episode. But I, in some ways, hey, if these episodes are short, that's okay. Because hopefully they're just giving you just a little bit of information to kind of rebuild your understanding on this, to reinforce it. You know, it's, it's like we kind of started building the structure And then we thought, you know what, instead of continuing to build upward, let's go back down and reinforce and re-examine and make sure that this structure is really, 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 really being built correct. So I'm trying to build your understanding of long gospel. And if it means taking our time and backing up and covering material we've already covered and reviewing it and reminding you, you may find the repetitive nature at times frustrating, but I'm telling you. I don't know when it's going to be, but one day you're going to be out there somewhere talking to someone and the discussion of long gospel is going to come up and all of a sudden, boom, 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 you're going to remember this and this and this and this and this and this. And you're going to be like, well, I'm grateful that that podcast was so repetitive on this subject because I have this down like 
like the back of my hand. I have this memorized. I have this, it's, it's second nature. And wouldn't that not be awesome to have the proper distinction between law and gospel just be a basically second nature to you? I think it would be awesome. You may not as of yet, but trust me, sooner or later, you're going to realize, man, this law and gospel stuff, now I get it. Now I understand it. So are you ready to to wrap this up? This, uh, uh, I think we're, I don't even know which episode we're on for them, uh, but um, I hope that this will be uh, beneficial. I know this, we're in the episode where they cover thesis number four. <laughs> that, that's what I know. So let's uh, move forward and hopefully... Um, it will be a beneficial. It's probably uh, episode four because I think they're dedicating one episode per thesis, I think is what they're doing. So I think we're we're in pretty good shape here. Are you ready? Here we go. This is the last segment. Now remember, it's going to come in with their theme music as they coming out of a commercial break. And then, so I'll have the volume low. And then as their theme music finally starts to fade, I'll bring the volume up and we'll see what they have to say about thesis number four, which once again reads... The true knowledge of the distinction between the law and the gospel is not only a glorious light affording the correct understanding of the entire Holy Scriptures, but without this knowledge, Scripture is and remains, and I will add, and will remain a sealed book. Everybody ready? Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's our series on the proper distinction between law and gospel with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Well, Walter takes up a quote from Luther commenting on Galatians chapter 3, where he essentially says that if we cannot distinguish between law and gospel, then there's really no hope of keeping Christian doctrine pure. Right. Dr. Nagel always paraphrased that with everything that goes wrong in theology can be traced back to a fundamental confusion of law and gospel. Wow. I want you to write that down. Everything that goes wrong in theology can be traced back to a fundamental confusing, a fundamental misunderstanding of the proper distinction between law and gospel. Everything that goes wrong in theology can be traced back to a misunderstanding, a confusing of law and gospel. You, you see, oh man, there's a problem the- theologically. I think it always goes back to law and gospel. I think there's a, look, that may be a little overstated, but I will say, I, I may not be able to say 100% of the time, but I feel very confident saying about 80 to 90% of the time, theological issues, theological problems, theological mistakes can be traced back to a confusing, confounding, a misunderstanding of the proper distinction between law and gospel. Now, you may disagree with that, but I would like for you to write that down and at least meditate on it and think about it. And because I think that's a rather, I know it's a big claim, but I think it's rather profound. And I think there's a lot of truth to it. And the reason I think there's a lot of truth to it is for this reason. If you don't understand the proper distinction between law and gospel, that will one, that, that, this is dogmatically, this, I will say this, every hermeneutical error can be traced back to a, a a confusing or confounding of law and gospel. Uh, because I think if you don't get law and gospel right, you, your, your hermeneutic is messed up. Like it, it's a, it's a hermeneutical imperative 
that you have the proper distinction between law and gospel. Once you merge law and gospel, your understanding of the Bible just will explode. Someone in chat just said, I agree. I find myself now a day saying, law, law, law. Okay, so that's good. Hopefully someone has been listening to the series now understands and now they see, oh wait, that's law, law, law. Like when they listen to a sermon, law, 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 law. When, they, when you read a devotional, law, 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 law. Like I do the same thing. Now I'll be, I'll be listening to a sermon. It's like the J.D. Greer sermon. Before my understanding of law and gospel, I don't know how I would, I would have hoped I would have still been horrified at his sermon. But now I'm even, I'm even more horrified because I'm like, what did he just do to the gospel? But yeah, now I'm very quick. When I read the Bible, I'm like, law, that's law, that's law, that's law, that's law, that's law, that's law. Now, hopefully I don't just identify it. I then sit back and let the law do the work it's supposed to do on me, which is break me, humiliate me, convict me, show me my sin and drive me to the pit of ultimate despair until I'm taken to the cross where I can find hope and rest. So, uh, oh yeah, pass a church billboard. That is so true. You drive past church billboards and you're like, what in the name of bubblegum is that? So many times I, I'm, I'm tempted so many times when I try, drive past the church, I just want to walk in and knock on the door and go, What's going on out there? What what happened over here? What was what, what who's in charge of the sign? Okay. But but I don't. I don't. But oh, sometimes sometimes I've been tempted to go, what is happening out there? But okay. So, I I I think I uh, very much agree with this. All theological issues, all theological problems can be traced back to a fundamental misunderstanding, confusing, confounding of law and gospel. All right, let's continue. And I think that that's especially true in regards to the doctrine of salvation and I mean to how we are being saved, how God is is going about regenerating us, bringing us into his kingdom, keeping us in his kingdom and bringing us finally to glory. Things go wrong when you mingle up law and gospel in that way. So Luther said in that quote Walter gives there, where this illuminating knowledge prevails, it is easy to distinguish faith from works, Christ from Moses, the gospel from the law of Moses, and all other secular laws, statutes, and ordinances. Just go back to that first thesis that we looked at. You can ask the question, is it asking me to do or telling me how I must be, or is it declaring to me a gift of God, a promise of God? If you can sort of see that distinction between what I do and what God does or promises to do for me, then you see the distinction between law and gospel. And you need to remember that that law is always, under every circumstance in this life, it's going to be condemning us because none of us do it perfectly, and the law demands perfection. Luther has a place where it comes— I'm sort of paraphrasing him. He's saying, Mr. Moses doesn't cut any deals. You know, He's just not into it. It demands perfection. Jesus picks that up in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, so you you just got to be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. That's actually a devastating statement of law. You have to be perfect. I wish every Christian would understand that because the law demands perfection. So when people say, well, how do you know you're saved? Well, look to your actions. 
You say, but my actions aren't perfect. Well, no, 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 no. It's not about perfection. It's just about direction. It's not about perfection. It's just about the overall supposed evidence of your life. That when you get to the end of your life, you have enough evidence to demonstrate your salvation. Well, what evidence am I going to have at the end of my life when the law demands perfection? The law is not going to be like, well, you know, you, you did pretty good. No, 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 no. The law demands perfection. And the only thing that provides that perfection is is Jesus Christ. Therefore, my actions could never prove that I'm saved. And why would I look to my actions to prove that I'm saved when I have the perfection of Christ imputed to my account? Would that not be the evidence I would look for for salvation? The perfection of Christ imputed to me? Or do I want to look to my works that always fall short of God's law and probably they don't even clearly demonstrate how messed up I am because I may be able to clean myself up pretty good on the outside. I may be able to clean that cup up. Ooh, I can I, I can wash that cup. I can, I can bring in a cleaning crew to the outside of the tomb. Man, I can clean the outside of the tomb. But I guarantee you what's inside is a rotten corpse. What is inside the cup is putrid and disgusting. So even if I cleaned up the outside and say, well, I think this proves that I'm saved because I'm, I'm not being even coming close to acknowledging what's going on on the inside. If I start looking at what's going on in the inside, I'd be like, that's it. The whole, the whole thing is just forget it. It's over. The whole game is up. It's done. Just let's just go home. It's, it's, it's no, there's no point. But Christians somehow convince themselves that just trying, just doing a few things. No, 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 no. The law, as he said, Moses doesn't cut any deals. It's, and Jesus doesn't in the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know why people don't understand how to interpret the Sermon on the Mount. It's law, 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 and it demands perfection, 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 perfection. By the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it's not, I'm going to try harder. It's like, I cannot do this. I need Christ. Now, after just remember, that doesn't mean we just throw out the Sermon on the Mount and not worry about it. We are constantly convicted, and we are striving, and we try to move forward in doing those things, but we just do them out of gratitude for the fact that they've already been done for us. But the good news is, the perfection he demands is the very perfection that he gives you by giving you the gift of Jesus, his son, and putting you into him. He gives in one more quote here that I think is worthwhile picking up from Martin Chemnitz in his The Great Second Martin of the Reformation. Martin Chemnitz states, Paul states distinctly that the righteousness which is valid in the sight of God is revealed in the gospel apart from the law. Hence, the principal matter in this inquiry regarding justification is that the true and proper distinction between the law and the gospel must be fixed and carefully maintained. Is there any other light besides the one furnished by the true distinction between the law and the gospel that has so forcibly broken up the dense darkness of the Pope's dominion. And then Walter adds, the darkness of the papacy has not been dispelled by any other light than by the appearance of that teaching that there's a distinction to be made between the law and the gospel, that when you have a poor sinner who is in front of you, terrified over his sins, you do not say to him, and here's what you need to do to get rid of that terror over your sins. (laughs) 
go to confession, say three Hail Marys, whatever. I mean, all the kind of good works that the church would prescribe typically under, uh, especially Rome before Vatican II. That's what he's aiming at here with this kind of statement. And he's saying, no, 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 no. When you've got a poor sinner in front of you who knows they're miserable and that their sins have condemned them before God, what you say to them is, and Jesus Christ has borne them every one. There's not a single one of them that he did not take into his body and answer for. And every bit of your disobedience has been remedied by his perfect obedience to the law. He has done what you have failed to do. And that is what it is his delight to give and deliver to you. He places upon you himself his perfect obedience. Beautiful quote. Beautiful quote. Powerful. But please note, what's, what is the true distinction between the Pope and Catholicism and biblical theology? It's the proper distinction between law and gospel. That's why I am very... If you, if you, I'm very much in habit of saying this. Look, if you're going to go to some church that obliterates law and gospel and you're not going to try to maintain this proper distinction between law and gospel, don't go, just don't go to some other Protestant church. Just go back to where you really belong. Go back to Rome. Go back to Rome. Forget lordship salvation. Go back to Catholicism. And whenever I say that, people get really mad, but I'm like, why are you going to go over here and pretend you're nothing more than a Catholic? And whenever I say that, people get furious with me. But look right there, you just heard it. The, the, the true distinction, the true way to break away from the, the darkness of the papacy, the, the way to truly distinguish ourselves from the Pope is the proper distinction between law and gospel. That's why, remember, so much of this came to, the, the light bulb came on to me studying at a Catholic university, pursuing a degree in Catholic theology, when they pointed out, what are you talking about? You guys are more Catholic than we are. And they, they, they would refer to MacArthur or Lordship Salvation. I'm like, that is just as works-based. That is, that, that the, everything here hinges on an infused righteousness, not an imputed righteousness. He's not, he's not pointing you to the imputed righteousness of Christ. He's pointing you to either the righteousness that you're doing or you're doing because Christ has infused you with righteousness. It's Roman Catholicism 101. And then I'm sitting there arguing with him going, I am not, I'm not a Catholic. No, I believe in the gospel of grace. I'm like, no, you don't. You're lying to yourself. And then I was like, you're right. This is, this is not imputed righteousness. And then I started then slowly but sure. And then I, then I had to remind myself of the proper distinction between law and gospel that I had been taught as a Lutheran that the lights didn't come on yet. And then finally it all started falling into place. But everybody wants to make it, you know, I'm not a Catholic because I'm not going to pray to dead saints. I'm not a Catholic because I'm not going to pray to Mary. I'm not a Catholic because I don't like chanting or robes or incense. How about you're not a Catholic because you believe in the proper distinction between law and gospel? And that church across town that claims not to be Catholic and claims to be Bible-believing Christianity, well, they don't have the proper distinction between law and gospel. So what really, they're, they're they, they rejected the Reformation and they've returned to Rome to at least the air, a certain level when it comes to soteriology. Remember, all theological issues can be traced back to 
a confusing and a confounding of law and gospel. So two final questions with about a minute apiece. How would you summarize all of this? Well, I think the summary is if you're going to have peace with God when you're reading the sacred scriptures, you need to always ask yourself of every passage that you're reading, is God telling me to do something here, commanding me to do something, or is he offering me a gift here? And if you don't ask that question, you'll never be able to come to peace because you'll never realize that, I mean, as soon as you have peace from a gospel passage, a law passage will come in and make you terrified again. So next time we're going to be taking up the thesis where Walter begins the task that's really the rest of the theses, and that is describing the common ways that law and gospel are confused. What should we be looking forward to there? The next thing he's going to do, he's already sort of hinted, these theses actually really are tied tightly together. So he's introduced the, the what Rome has done in this turning poor sinners toward their works. That's going to be what he really addresses in Thesis 5. And it's not just the Romans. There are many Christians who do this. They basically present Christ solely or chiefly as the great example, the great lawgiver. They turn the doctrine into a gospel of works. And then they, they totally lose them what the gospel itself is, this message of God's grace, which they then freely anathematize and condemn, at least the papists do. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. Formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the book, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. And he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Pastor Whedon is leading a study this week on Ananias and Sapphira, many signs and wonders done, and the apostles arrested and freed in Acts chapter 5. Listen anytime, anywhere at thewordendures.org, the LPR mobile app, or your favorite podcast provider. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. Will, thank you very much. Hey, thank you, Todd. In our And there you have it. I told you it was going to be short. I told you. It's like a little, like... It's not even, well, it's like five-minute segment. It's not even a five-minute segment because this, there's still three minutes left, I guess, for more commercials. Uh, someone in chat said, I like robes and incense. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with robes and incense, but it's just funny how a lot of people will, they, a lot of the issues people condemn Catholicism for, I'm always like, you're kind of missing the real issue. Imputed versus infused. Proper distinction between law and gospel. It's not all of these other things that we get so worked up about. I'm not saying there's not time to discuss the other issues, but the real issue is the proper distinction between law and gospel. And it's not just Rome. Churches all around you do the exact same thing. You know why this happens, whether in Rome or whether in your local church? Because by nature, we are sinners. And as sinners, we are law-minded. We are law-based. That's how we think. That's how we operate. So there's an inherent danger in all of us to constantly anathematize the gospel by turning it into law. There's a danger for us to masquerade our gospel, but in reality, it's or masquerade the law as gospel when in reality, it's nothing but law. And if we don't understand this distinction and maintain this distinction, it will lead to a numerous theological errors. But the most important thing is it will keep this Bible a closed book. You must become a master. 
You must become an expert at identifying law, identifying gospel, and understanding what the law is supposed to be doing to you and what the gospel has provided for you, right? Okay, well, Benny Hinn says, someone made a joke about Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn says a lot of things, okay? A lot of things. His theological errors go way beyond, well, anything else, but that's the charismatic world. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to go there right now. All right, there you have it. There's thesis number four. Next time, we will begin our look at thesis number five. I have it right here, and it's a long <laughs> thesis. Thesis number five is long, and uh, here we go. Yeah, there's a, a lot we could say about it. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to, I, I always feel bad when these, these are so short. I'm knocking everything over. I, I always feel bad when these turn out to be so uh, short, but that's okay. That, that gives you some very specific things to think about. All right, so email me your thoughts, questions, struggles, difficulties with the entire concept of distinguishing law and gospel. And you can do so by emailing me at newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I probably will not be back on the air until the yard guy finally shows up and throws dirt all over the place because I don't even really know why he's coming today because in Texas, it's been 150 degrees for so many days in a row. We haven't had rain. It is, yeah, it, my my yard is dirt. So he's just going to come with his lawnmower, throw dirt everywhere and then say, that'll be $50. Okay. So yeah. In fact, oh, I think that was the truck. Um, Okay, yeah, someone's talking about they've been looking through the Catholic catechism from some clarification on their gospel. Look under the uh, section for justification, I think it's called. I don't have my catechism in front of me. But we can do that. We can do that sometime if you want. We can do that. We can do that. I was going to teach my church, teach through the entire Catholic catechism uh, for my church, but then the uh, pandemic happened. So so many things went wrong after all that period of time. But yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I can find, I'll find a section for you if you need it. I'll find a section for you. Uh, I'll try to mention it at some point in time. Or email me and say, hey, wait, wait till, wait till after Sunday, because I think all of my catechisms are at the church. I think all our catechisms, because I got a catechism for everyone in the church, uh, because we were going to work through it. And you talk about a deep theological study, we're going to contrast their theology with, you know, what we believe biblical theology was going to be. It was going to be fun. It was going to be an in intense study, but things did not quite work out the way as planned. Things sometimes happen. All right. But we will definitely can do that. All right. Email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. As I said, I will be back on the air. I don't know when. I'm going to wait. I think I'm going to wait because the last thing I want to do is be up here 35 minutes into something and all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, it's going crazy. That sounded like a cat, right? That didn't sound like a lawnmower. I don't know how to make the sound of a lawnmower. But they're going to be out there trying to mow the lawn, and it's not and nothing. It's not going to be doing anything. So, but um, yeah, when that that'll be that would be frustrating. So when that's over, then we'll see what I can do. In the meantime, have a great day, and uh, yeah, think about what we've just learned. All right, everyone, have a great day. God bless.